Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Dom. And we're still here in that hyperbolic time chamber called quarantine, where it seems like it's taking a whole year, but in actuality, yeah, a whole year is actually passing. (laughs) <laughs> are you suggesting we're spending the whole year training and not just lying on the couch watching youtube and eating snacks <laughs> we are training to try to stop talking over each other so much when recording remotely it's intensive training <laughs> it's hard good luck us <laughs> Hope, hopefully we'll emerge with a new level or at least a new half level of podcaster i honestly I can't oh go on <laughs> <laughs> I call it there, podcaster it 1.5 <laughs> oh my god we suck at this <laughs> we'll keep working on it yeah I was gonna say can't wait till you guys see me after two months of quarantine I'm I'm totally jacked now and my hair glows <laughs> and I can you know, fly if, if, anyone, if anyone else said that I would disbelieve but with you it's, it's a possibility <laughs> it is a possibility <laughs> prepare yourself Hair shining even more than usual. (laughs) Right, so, it's been a while since we talked about a Dragon Ball fanfiction. And, but but we've had another couple times that we've tried to talk about Dragon Ball fanfiction, right? And what I just realized is that every time we have read a DBZ fanfic, it's been about Trunks and or Vegeta. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's just because no one really wants to, like, look inside Goku's mind. What is the interest there? (laughs) Those might not be uh, deep waters. (laughs) Right. Those who laugh at Goku's brains will find that there's nothing to laugh about. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, so... uh, Oh, go on. No, go on. (laughs) I was going to say, I guess I I get that for fanfiction writers, right? Like, they want someone who has some sort of emotional turmoil or something to examine. But for me, I'd be very happy reading a story about Goku just, like, having the fuck out of fun and living his best life. (laughs) Because that's honestly what I like about Dragon Ball Z. It would be very pleasant. It would be interesting to read about a character that is living their best life and just happy in a hyper-violent world. Uh, So Yamcha. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's kind of hard to tell whether Yamcha's living his bre- best life because he's so off stage for so much of the series. But doesn't he become a pro ba- baseball player or something? Yes. Maybe? Okay, well, anyway, <laughs> we are reading uh, for to be released around Father's Day. We are reading a fanfic centered around Trunks and Vegeta called In the Room of Spirit and Time. Because that's a heartwarming father-son relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, this fanfic's notable. It's one of those fanfics that is gets tossed around that people remember fondly. It appears to be from about early 2001, as far as I can tell, but I couldn't find a date on it. And it was written by Nora Jemison who went on to be an extremely successful and critically and popularly acclaimed science fiction author. 
I'm just looking at her Wikipedia article right now. As of her August 2018 win, the three books of her Broken Earth series have made her the first author to have won the Hugo Award for Best Novel in Science Fiction in three consecutive years for all three novels in a trilogy. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. So she has some future writing chops, um, <laughs> though maybe not in the year 2001. Were you able to get in contact with the author? I contacted her when we were going to read The Last Warrior, um, which was, is her, like, better-known work. We decided not to because the content was a little bit heavier than we wanted to do. Right. Uh, but she basically said, oh, yeah, go ahead. I have no comment. I imagine that as a extremely, you know, skilled, successful author, when someone says, like, hey, can we dredge up your juvenilia and talk about it? Your reaction is probably some variety of, uh, if you must. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. And I feel a little bit bad because on the website for Room Spirit and Time here, you can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfrroom. She comments, uh, Room of Spirit of Time is not as good as The Last Warrior, in my humble opinion. And she's probably right. I mean, I read most of The Last Warrior, and I read this. And so I feel bad that we're not, like, reading the fanfic that she felt best about as a fanfic author, either. Yeah. But we did. Sorry, Nora Jemison, N.K. Jemison, as her professional author name is. To be fair, though, I mean, I, I think this is a pretty well done story. And I think our prerogative is like to read, you know, fanfic in general, right? And to read certain series and certain periods of time. So whether that author has gone on to accomplish great things is obviously this person has. I think maybe it's not as relevant. It's not super relevant. And there's other things we could say that are not relevant. Uh, but I may as well say it that I think... Nora Jemison might be the first author we've read who I know for a fact to be a woman of color. Obviously, like, almost all the time I know nothing about the author, right? And they could be a Saiyan who landed on Earth <laughs> as a child and, you know, got amnesia for all I know or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in this case, you know, she has a public presence and, and we know that about her, so that's cool. That's cool. Um, and yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think Room of Spirit of Time, of Time is a badly written work either, and I guess we may as well talk about it, right? Before that, we have already talked about our background with Dragon Ball, right? Which is that basically, Tori, you and I are pretty familiar with it, and Dom mm -hmm. less so. I know Dragon Ball, the original series, and I've absorbed a lot of DBZ knowledge just from existing in the culture <laughs> like you do yeah i have a question though don how did you miss watching dbz on toonami i didn't like, have cable oh and now you do and i don't that's ironic role <laughs> reversal <laughs> and uh, by the time i was old enough to start looking at media uh by the time i was old enough to start going after media on my own i did not have the patience or inclination to watch somebody screaming for th three episodes straight. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch it on Toonami either. And um, our yeah. mutual friend, Jimmy Tori, lent me a couple of tapes and I, I watched them. And I was like, this is kind of interesting, but also it seems very, very slow. 
And so I've only probably ever seen those episodes of Dragon Ball Z. But I read through the whole Dragon Ball manga later in college. I more appreciate listening to uh, other people talk about it. <laughs> that is <Okay>. fascinating. <laughs> well, well, we're going to put you on the spot here somewhat. <laughs> to be fair, both of you are two years older than me. So there's a distinct possibility that like when it came on Toonami... I mean, whether you had access or not, like it, w- it hit, you know, exactly where I was for that age. I think it was maybe 10, you know, and maybe not for where you guys were at. In my experience, it's hit people older than, than me. So it's that whole wide age group of people. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, like I would not put up with the seven episodes of screaming as my dad called it, you know, being constipated. Um, <laughs> We mentioned that before, but as a grown-up, but like being 10, it was like, this is cool. They're powerful. (laughs) I I didn't really have power fantasies as a kid or a teenager or adult. (laughs) Well, no, it was more like the whole like martial arts thing. Like they're charging their chi. But it's not martial arts. It's just blurs. (laughs) Yeah, but when you're 10, that's my point. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there is, there's a lot of description of Dragon Ball fighting in this fanfic, which is kind of interesting, but I guess we should lead in from the beginning. The premise is, it is a story that can fit within canon, because in the Cell saga, some of the characters take turns training in the Room of Spirit and Time, in the old English dub, the hyperbolic time chamber, and <laughs> hyperbolic as an adjective is a pretty great thing to just throw onto a Dragon Ball, you know, thing. It's even if it doesn't actually make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where you can go in for a day of real time, but you spend a year in there. And the author comments, like on the, you know, site for the fanfic here, that when Trunks and Vegeta go in, their relationship is very poor because Vegeta is a total asshole and Trunks has come back in time and has met his dad, who is a total asshole. Mm -hmm. Um, But when they come out, there's some implicit relationship building because Trunks seems to respect Vegeta more and Vegeta gets very, very upset when Trunks is killed. Uh, Maybe that was part of his plot because, you know, getting stronger as a Saiyan involves people you caring about dying half the time. Mm -hmm. So if he was planning that to become more powerful, then well done, Vegeta. (laughs) I have a question up front. Um, Uh Looking at the terminology, because even the, the name is different than the dub, is this a person you think who watched mainly subtitled more than the dub? You know, we should really work that out because the other story that we've done for the podcast, which was Dragon Ball Super Z, is that right? It's just the first episode of it. Mm-hmm. They had the same Japanese terminology that I see right here. They had Jinzo Ningen, they had Saiyajin, they had, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But, um,. On the main Dragon Ball fanfic sub part of the author's website here from 2001, mm-hmm. she comments that, oh, it, it's, it went off the air in, you know, 1996 or whatever. Or it ended in 1996, I should say. And, oh, no, wait, they don't talk about the, um, the English dub specifically. I thought they did. So, yeah, maybe. Maybe they were watching subtitled Japanese. It would explain a lot. Possibly, though, to be fair, this was kind of like the height of the fans going on the internet, absorbing what they could, 
of, you know, the anime they liked that was in Japanese and then like regurgitating it like, oh, I'm sophisticated because I'm using the Japanese term for whatever, such as Jin. Uh, I'm not even going to try. Artificial but, human. <laughs> yeah. You know, but the Jinzuning. Yeah, okay. Anyway, that would maybe have been like more of a status marker. Like, I'm an elite fan because I know the Japanese term, if you know what I mean. It's also plausible, but it, it reads like someone who is watching the Japanese and is trying to put the kinds of things that they say in Japanese into the characters' mouths that they're hearing in Japanese. Right. Um, anyway, that's what the fanfic's about. It's basically Vegeta and Trunks f- training for a year in a little sub-dimension. Which is a really fun... I don't want to say premise, because like, they didn't come up with a premise, but it was a really good opportunity for a story, I think. I agree. It's a really good space to explore, because yeah, like... That's that's a year a of whole two year. characters trapped with each other. <laughs> like, well, yeah. You want and, to do a bottle episode or something about that, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's Vegeta and Trunks. Like, it's a guy meeting his fully grown son who he's had with a woman he doesn't even know that he likes yet. You know? <laughs> I like, think maybe Trunks is around at this point. No. No? Am I wrong? No, this is before Vegeta and Balma ever got together. Oh, Okay. You may be right. I Some am weird right. strain on our relationship, <laughs> though. <laughs> but yeah, he, it mean, also comes up in the fic, because he says, like, he's never considered Bulma that way, but I guess for breeding a new Saiyan race, it would be, she would be okay, or something. I don't know. Right. Anyway. But yeah, he never, he, he only, he still wants to kill Goku at this point, like, Kind of vaguely, but like other threats are intervening. <laughs> this is very shortly after Vegeta got trapped on Earth and like Vegeta said the planet was that what the planet's called? Is it called Planet Vegeta? Yeah. Yeah, it was is. Was destroyed. But, but no, it was, um, it was destroyed quite a while ago. What? But <laughs> what? Planet Vegeta? Like Planet Hollywood? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like very in the similar. dub they call it Planet Vegeta, but <laughs> Yeah. Okay, well, whatever. The, the continuity details don't matter too much, except they're all training to fight Cell, who is the new biggest bad, who is more powerful than them. And um, we it opens with a prologue, which is, I felt like, maybe the most contrived thing about the setup here. And I'm not, I think it wasn't really necessary, because the door shuts on the Room of Spirit and Time. We've got the other characters out there, right? Goku and Gohan are waiting their turn. Piccolo, who has recently fused with Kami is like, I oh, hope, hope this works out well, and all that kind of thing. And Mr. Popo comes up to Piccolo and is like, um, do you think it's going to be okay? Because do you remember there's, oh, some kind of malevolent evil spirit in there that could possibly, you know, uh, cause some trouble? They don't even say and that Piccolo, much. They're, like, they're like, there's the thing in there. I'm like, oh, right, the thing. Right. No, I mean, I know. He doesn't say it in those words. But Piccolo's just like... Piccolo has the excuse that he just recently fused with Kami and hasn't gotten all those memories sorted out. Mm-hmm. Mr. Popo probably should have said something beforehand. <laughs> like, yeah. that's all I'm saying. And so Piccolo's just like, oh, yeah, well, hopefully it works out. Yeah, the, to be fair, like, at this point, we don't have any idea that it's a malevolent evil spirit. It's, like, literally, like, the hint is just like, oh, there's that other thing you know that you remember about the chamber and it seems like it it's like oh i i guess i should have worried about that um and it's weird because this is not where i expected the story to go that the hyperbolic time chamber had a malevolent evil spirit inside because no one's ever suggested that before 
So this was right. crazy. <laughs> well, that, that, all I'm saying is that it would have been just as easy for them to have not known that that spirit was in the chamber. Hmm. Which would have yeah, made it point. a little bit less but... irresponsible of Mr. Popo specifically. Uh, like, there's just no need for them to have known anything about it, because the, we're introduced to the spirit by the end of the chapter, and it's just kind of like eyeing the people who have gone into the room, right? And but... it says, it, um, it's been there since before time existed. It would wait until the universe collapsed again and began expanding anew, because um, it can exist forever. It never even noticed the passage of time, except for the rare times when its presence was intruded upon. But it also establishes that usually the presences that come into the room over the course of the universe are not ones that it can really, that it has much interest in. But in this case, it can sense the seeds of self-doubt, glimmers of confusion, the beginnings of emotional bonds stunted by guilt and hatred. These flavors were rudimentary at best. Oh wait, sorry, that's in Vegeta. The other one it's excited about because it senses the emotions of trunks of, like, rich spices of past pain and many kinds of guilt flavored a promising banquet of internal conflict. So it's looking for internally conflicted people, which is why Vegeta is not that appealing, because Vegeta doesn't have a whole lot of internal conflict. Vegeta's pretty cool with the evil jerk that Vegeta is, for the most part. I still appreciated yeah. the uh, prologue a little bit, because they set up what was going on in the continuity at the time. That's As true. someone who wasn't very familiar with the series, it was a nice little onboarding to what was expected at the time and why everybody was where they were. Mm -hmm. And the author did a good job of like introducing the idea that something might be going on inside the time chamber. So something as the audience of Dragon Ball Z that we ever thought could be possible. I think if this has just been sprung on us without the foreshadowing of like, oh, there's something else it might have been a little bit more of a shock. It was still a shock. Yeah. But I kind of like that they set it up in, like, this vague foreshadowing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's not that vague. It's pretty direct at the very end of this chapter. That's what I'm saying. It's like we kind of get a sense of what this spirit's deal is. Even no, by I mean, the, end of the, chapter. The, the foreshadowing of Mr. Popo talking to Piccolo about there's something in the time chamber. Like, I think without that, it would have been really, like, shocking. Okay. Well, yeah. It was a soft introduction me, to that idea. Yeah, okay, fair enough. And the other thing this chapter establishes is kind of where Trunks and Vegeta are in their relationship at the moment, which is that Trunks is really interested in getting to know this guy because he's his father who died before he was born, and no one will really talk about him. Uh, you know, in the future, like future Gohan and future Bulma don't really want to say much about him. Um, and Vegeta is pretty skeptical about you know this future kid and like whether he's worth anything but vegeta has a lot in his mind about like through the course of this is whether like trunks is a worthy heir kind of thing mm -hmm. which in his mind is like a good saying right yeah and um, we get a little later on like how vegeta's father treated him as his heir kind <laughs> <Right>. of <laughs> um you know very saiyan the author did a good job of writing a saiyan culture it's also yeah, a nice Saiyan bit culture of the... is terrible, and Saiyans are terrible. Yes. So, well, I mean, which is accurate. Yep. It was another example of Saiyans being explored as a um, alien species with a different culture. Totally, right. yeah. And because we're on that subject, we can drift around. This isn't a fanfic, I feel like, where we need to go chapter by chapter exactly. Troy, do you want to talk about that kind of Vegeta and King Vegeta scene flashback that we get? Yeah, I mean, basically it's set up, I mean, I will say we got the evil spirit 
in the time chamber. It's It can't infiltrate Vegeta. It's trying to infiltrate Trunks. But it does manage to go into one of Vegeta's dreams before Vegeta pushes it out. And in the dream, it's kind of more of a memory, really. Vegeta is, I want to say, five, six years old? Sounds right. Eight, Which something. is about, the, about yeah. the age of my oldest, which is crazy. Yeah, like a very young child who's being, basically, it's tradition. You know, he's the prince, right? And it's tradition that he fight his father at this age. And what happens is, in his memory, basically, he's prepared himself to fight his father, and then he comes upon his father and he says, no, actually, I won't fight you, I can't win. And at that moment is when Vegeta realizes that he actually has power. Because his father is like, of course you can't win, you're six years old. <laughs> um, but the time it would take this, like, if he had to kill him, because that's what would happen if they fought, he would kill his son to, like, a sire... A, a stronger son, which begs the question if a, uh, the cultural tradition is, I'm going to fight my son when they're five or six years old and then kill them every time, how does anyone get an heir? They actually well, said that they, they don't for, for one thing, they don't <clears throat> really do sexual reproduction most of the time mm. Wait, they're they, also think, they also mentioned that the tradition wasn't necessarily to fight, but at five or six decide whether or not to keep this clone or to kill it and start, start over Good point. Right. And yeah. so at that point, they were just assessing the uh, the kid's willingness to fight in general and um, mm -hmm. cleverness. And probably yeah. potential power because yeah. they put great stock in that. Yeah. Uh, in a measurable sense. Yeah. And so, yeah, they can get away with this because mostly they just clone, you know, I think for lower class warriors, maybe less so. I, I feel like Goku maybe had a mother. I don't remember. But, you know. Trung, uh, Vegeta's the elite, elite royalty. Yeah, the more and more Japanese yeah. I learn, the more and more stupid DBZ names become. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's part of the fun of it, is the author just <laughs> taking some things very seriously and a lot of things not seriously. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I don't remember if the whole cloning thing was explicit. I mean, it kind of was in DBZ, I remember. But I don't remember, like, because some people had parents and some people didn't. It, it was a little confusing, but it does go a long way to explain why, like, Goku looks exactly like his dad down to the hairstyle and Vegeta looks exactly like his dad down to the hairstyle and everything. I, I played King Vegeta in Budokai Tenkaichi 3 some in college, just out of, you know, respect for the characters who never got any attention at all. He was pretty boring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he's, but he's got red hair. That's cool, I guess. And a, and a goatee. That's what I like best about him. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's basically Vegeta <laughs> with a goatee. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's way better it. than Vegeta without a goatee. It's Mirror Universe yeah. Vegeta. <laughs> yeah. That makes him good, Vegeta. Wait. <laughs> well, and uh, Goku's father looked exactly like him, right? Yeah, pretty much. Doesn't, doesn't he also have a goatee? No, but that would be I'm, awesome. I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> every every parent right. has a goatee. Anyway. I mean, I don't want to um, shit on Toriyama. They're extremely successful, but maybe vary up the character design a bit, you know? <laughs> not Toriyama's strength in main characters, I would say. Right. Monster designs and, like, weird-looking characters he can kind of do cooler things with. Yeah. True that. 
Uh, anyway, the point, you know, that flashback, obviously this is a father-son themed thing, so it kind of informs the way that Vegeta is thinking about Trunks, which, like I said, is kind of a lot of trying to figure out whether he's like a worthy heir, and specifically in this context, it's because Vegeta's like, how much, like, is he a real Saiyan? Like, he can, can he, can he get the Saiyan mindset, which is basically like, fight, 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 kill? Um, and he, he's even like brainstorming early on this fanfic. He's like, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm, I guess I'm the last of my race, except for Goku, who doesn't count because he's an idiot. And so I guess I probably should work on like, you know, repopulating my race and maybe half humans aren't a bad plan because it seems like they're pretty powerful. And it's kind of, it's funny just like thinking about his alien mindset because you'd think being the one of the last few members of your species would be in the forefront of your consciousness. <laughs> like, that would be like the main thing you'd be thinking about. But no, <laughs> not for Vegeta. It, it's totally in character that he's only kind of just now thinking about this. He like kills Nappa earlier and like Nappa is like one of the last, you know, yeah. three or four Saiyans, right? I like the, and so, I like the fully like realized sense of self that this Vegeta has. I mean, as crazy and e evil as they are, they are living their, their true life, you know? <laughs> yeah. And there's and, a couple I mean, times where Vegeta's like, oh man, I shouldn't have killed Nappa. He would have done this for me. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the saiyan prince remember the saiyans are like the fucking evil warlords and he is the prince like it's gonna he's very different than a human yeah i just think it, it helps sell his like evil fighting you know alien mindset that his priorities are like priority one get as strong as possible and like way down here in like priority nine is like <laughs> worry about the existence and survival of my species right mm-hmm <laughs> in between it's yeah. more fighting and killing well, goku probably maybe it's not a great species you know <laughs> yeah no i mean the rest of the universe is probably just fine with this order of priority yes yeah <laughs> he gets uh, a lot of moments of reflection in this fanfic about like is trunks like the air i want to have and he hates that he doesn't have the same hair color and eye color you know and it's, I don't know, it works very well for his personality, his Saiyan-ness, to have that little basic prejudice. Yeah, it does, because all Saiyans have black hair, right? And so the fact that Trunks doesn't is just, like, one of those immediate visceral reminders of, like, you know, Vegeta's racist, like, Saiyan-oriented thinking. That it's like, oh, well, he's not a real Saiyan. Other than that, early on, there's kind of, like, a lot of the feeling out of how they're going to be training together, right? And it's kind of a lot of Vegeta pushing Trunks to fight seriously, which for Vegeta's, you know, needs and perspective means like with the intent of dealing actual physical harm to your opponent. And it's like if Trunks can't do that, then like what's even the point of this training? Yeah, it's um, it's kind of weird with their training, like. It's basically like Trunks wants to have a dad, but he you know, he doesn't have... Apparently, Bulma hasn't told him a whole lot about his dad, except that he was a great warrior. And so he's kind of <laughs> let down because this guy he meets who wants nothing to do with him. In Vegeta's head, it's like, I never wanted a kid. Who's this guy? You know, it's like, he's 17 or 18 years old. He's like... and But Vegeta, I guess, is still in his comparable 30s. I don't know, is what the fanfic implies. He's like, that's not my child. Like, but if it was, what would happen? So they, con Vegeta considers him a sparring partner. He's 
kind of a vague sense trying to toughen him up because in a vague way he considers him a son it's sort of implied that toughening him up would like make him a son but at the same time trunks is like trying to fight but also gain a connection so their goals are very at odds but they still both have this weird sense of desiring a father-son relationship yeah from their different perspectives Mm-hmm. And since a lot of their interactions is fighting, I'd like to comment here. I'm looking early on in, um, in the story, even just as early as part one, I can find some examples here at chapter one, that the descriptions of Dragon Ball Z style fighting, I felt like were very smooth and faithful. Like they read well and they flowed the way a Dragon Ball Z fight does when they have the animation budget for it. Yeah, I'll agree on that. <laughs> Which is not all the time. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm looking at chapter one here where like, oh, Ve- suddenly Vegeta attacked, lunging at him without so much as a word of warning. Trunks reacted instinctively, blocking and swinging about to kick at Vegeta's midriff, his mind taking only an instant to recover from his surprise and attune itself to the match. So like I see a move, a counter move. Vegeta pulled back for a second, just long enough to smile savagely at Trunks. Like, absolutely, you pull back and you, you know, have some kind of emotional, you know, reaction shot. Then lunged again and they exchanged a rapid fire exchange of blows and kicks. Oh, they engaged in a rapid fire exchange of blows and kicks. And obviously a rapid fire exchange of blows and kicks, like you said, Dom, is like, you know, that's just spot on animation budget saving DBZ fighting. (laughs) Yeah. And so I just found it pleasurable in kind of its faithfulness. Like, I could kind of see it in my mind from the anime. I'll, I'll agree with that. I didn't enjoy them a lot, but that might be because of its faithfulness to the anime fight scenes. I wouldn't say I specifically enjoyed them either, just because there's not much interesting that can happen with them, right? Right. It's their training. And yeah. I mean, there are emotional beats and plot beats that happen during those fights, but it's not the actual fight moves, no. right? This it's, it's just read completely Dragon Ball Z, because you have very, like, actually it's a little bit better. The fight scenes are not as long proportionately. Yes. But yeah, they do, <laughs> they do, <laughs> yes, but they do kind of drone on, and it is, he kicked, he blocked, he kicked, he blocked, like it, it, the author actually, I, I will say this the author made it more interesting than that. Yeah. And I honestly don't know how they did it. Like, it's, it's actually kind of impressive that, like, even though I felt the fight scenes were pretty boring, they were much less boring than watching it in the anime. Because <laughs> in the anime, it's all like blurs. It, uh, yeah. So, it, it evoked the spirit of it will actually, I think, creating greater interest. I, I just wish there hadn't been so many fight scenes because really, like, as much as that's DBZ, it is boring. Mm-hmm. And so I would say other than fighting, the next kind of emotional beat between them that leads into other things is when they start talking about killing folks. Mm-hmm. And like Vegeta ends up, you know, doing... Vegeta's version of small talk, which is, how many people have you killed? In a, and, you know. In, in DBZ, I know there's a lot of fighting, but how lethal is this fighting usually? Is that reserved for, like, um, season-ending stuff, or? Uh, it's usually not. 
lethal. Um, right. I mean, as far as our, our heroes are concerned, I mean, they kill, they kill the bad guys. You know, that does happen. Or they banish them or something happens. You know, that happens. They kill the big bad. But, like, Vegeta's coming from a completely different place. Like, his whole history is killing, you know, thousands of people. Like, that's what he does. He's the prince of a warrior planet. Yeah, I would say, Dom, most of the villains end up dead because mm-hmm. someone killed them. <laughs> right. But there's just not that many villains because the way DBZ right. is structured, it's like kind of small bosses that are like, you know, tough to tough to fight and will take a little while. Right. And so it's not like anybody, it's not like Lord of the Rings where like Gimli and Legolas are like, oh, I've got a hundred now. Yeah. I killed a hundred people today. 42. I'm proud of that. 43. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I mean... The other basic thing is that, like, yeah, like, they don't kill humans. They only kill, like, the very, like, most evil alien conquerors that are trying to take over Earth, usually, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this conversation, uh, Trunks is like, oh, well, what are you talking about? And Vita's like, well, haven't have you, like, at least killed a few humans before, you know, this one fight? And it's interesting, kind of, by this one fight, I mean... It's some very specific continuity stuff because when Trunks first appears, he kills some uh, some of Frieza's soldiers and he kills Frieza and King Cold. And he doesn't seem to hesitate much there. But of course, we also know it's not like Trunks had killed anybody else before that. And so right. Vegeta's at least happy that like he didn't hesitate to kill those people. Trunks looked away. I do what has to be done. Vegeta nodded. Well, there's hope for you then. I was afraid you'd developed Kakaroto's silly compassion. And that leads into some, like, uh, a sleepless night for Trunks, where he's like, yeah, I didn't worry about killing those people, and I felt this pleasure when, like, I saw the fear in their eyes. And he's like, am I, is there, like, an evil or a heartless kind of, like, murderer person like my dad inside of me? Is that, like, my heritage? Is that part of my personality? You know, what's the deal there? And some very you know, natural kind of concerns for him to have that certainly Toriyama was not interested in having him explore. Which would have been fun. There's a lot of character stuff that would have been fun that Toriyama (laughs) was not interested in, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, you know, the character of Trunks, when he comes into the series, is like this mysterious person from the future who carries a sword seems like a total badass and then you realize he's actually vegeta's child and you're like what the fuck vegeta had a child (laughs) and you know then he's also kind of a nice person but he's gone through so much trauma so i like that the author is i don't know addressing all that stuff together yeah for sure and that sort of is what opens the door mostly for this spirit, which again is drawn to emotional emotional turmoil or like mixed feelings. M- mixed feelings is maybe too light a way to say it. Um, it's drawn to negatively to to uh, negative emotions that have been attempted to be cast off. Yeah, so we're talking Persona Four here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I thought that over. Why not? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not true. I, I was waiting. You're you're not me. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so that's what kind of opens a bigger crack in the mind, so that the spirit can start influencing trunks. And what the spirit's mostly trying to do is sort of like um, feed those internal conflicts and negative emotions more. 
And so, like, even the, the very next time they fight, it's like Trunks finds himself getting extremely angry at Vegeta, both, and, you know, that's partially, like, his frustration with this man who has no interest in, like, forming an emotional bond. It's partly kind of, like, his hatred at Vegeta representing maybe a side of himself that is, like, you know, a, a heartless warrior killer and that sort of thing. And so he he almost tries to, you know, shoot a deadly uh, key blast at him in the middle of the fight, right? When he has the, the advantage for a moment and has to kind of pull himself back. And that's a sort of emotional beat that'll go, that'll come back around with a little bit more severity once or twice as the story continues. Yep, you gotta possess trunks with the devil whispering in their ear. <laughs> yeah. And the excuse for the the devil whispering with this evil spirit who is actually the evil spirit is maybe the best character in this whole thing. Because <laughs> it's like it's except this whole personality where it's like I don't feel human emotions until I start to slowly take over someone's mind and then I feel their emotions. Sounds fair. And it's like Vegeta's not the one because he's straightforward trunks has all the teen angst that i can feed on and then it kind of like creeps into his mind and starts to warp his dreams i liked a little bit of flavor that uh vegeta's mental defenses was just naturally solid because there was no doubt over who they were nothing no problems no no way to worm in and just always on guard all the time always aggro yeah yeah Except for that one moment it gets into his dream where he has, like, the childhood self-doubt. But then it's like, oh, never mind. That's cemented my personality. We're done. That's like the one moment in seven months of constant observation. (laughs) Totally, yeah. And then it was after he fought the spirit off, the spirit could never get back in. And it's a funny comment because it's like, Vegeta's so closed off emotionally. And Trunks, like, actually benefits from being a little more open. But that's how the spirit gets in. It's funny how it turns out. And the fun irony here also is that as the spirit gets its hooks in Trunks, and, you know, Trunks kind of, like, feels more bloodlust or, like, hatred towards his father, you know, when he's, like, he feels like, oh, yeah, it's true, I, I, I feel that draw of, like, combat and rage, and, like, I, at this, in this moment, I want to kill Vegeta, and, like, you know, he has, like, a, a grim, like, you know, smile full of hatred. And, you know, Vegeta notices this kind of thing, and his reaction is like, oh, good. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Everything's going, mm-hmm. going according to Keikaku. Everything's yeah. coming up Vegeta. That's just what he wanted. Yeah, for a long time, he's just, like, happy that Trunks is getting more saying like But that's where the story kind of goes, is it's, it's character change for Vegeta, too. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe less so, but yeah. But but it is, like, I mean, we'll get to the ending, but I mean, that's how yeah. it's building up for Vegeta to have some sort of realization that maybe all of this bloodlust is not the best possible child-raising practice. Yeah, it's that uh, monkey's <laughs> yeah, paw thing no. of getting what you wish for and realizing you don't want it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, by part six, um, you know, Trunks is full enough of rage and, like, fighting seriously enough that he gets... That he's, you know, seriously fighting Vegeta, as in, like, you know, trying to do physical, probably deathly violence. And he is beating um, Vegeta as well. Like, along with, like, you know, cruel taunts and stuff. Like, 
You see I'm a credit to a fine bloodline. Has there ever been a Saiyan this strong? I'm sorry, I'm saying Saiyan instead of Saiyajin. Even Son Goku doesn't have power like this. And I'm half human. I'm a better Saiyan than him and you. And at, a, at about that point is when Vegeta's like, wait, why is he so powerful? And also something seems kind of wrong here. <laughs> and that's the turning point here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he sees that look on his face. A look that Vegeta knew very well. It was a look he'd worn on his own face so many times in the past. And his eyes widened as he saw that look on the face of his son. Was this what the old king would have been had Vegeta ever gotten the chance to face his father? Was this what his own opponents had seen just before he killed them? No, even I never looked like that. The boy's face was almost peaceful, almost calm, as if he slaughtered family members every day. But there was something more than that set the hairs on the back of Vegeta's neck on end. And that's when he kind of realizes something's wrong, and he also notices the actual physical side of possession by an evil spirit, which is that <laughs> Trunks' eyes are pitch black. Right. Mm-hmm. So the cat's out of the bag with, like, some influence being on Trunks, and then once Trunks kind of tries to fight this at the last time where he's like, no, I'm not a killer and stuff, then a, a shadow Trunks splits off from him. Um, and it is kind of like the incarnated version of the spirit, though it is still also kind of connected to him. Yeah, and then we get to have more DBZ fights, basically. Yeah, then I really was expecting this to and Then they have a fight. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was expecting to end Persona 4-Way, and I mean, that's because of, <laughs> you know, just what I have experienced. But I was expecting that what would need to happen was um, Trunks accepting these parts of himself. And that's kind of true, but maybe not... Is that is that exactly, like, the vibe at the end of this? It kind of is. It is, it kind but of they, is, yeah. they, um, they don't do it in a Persona way, they do it in a DBZ way. That makes sense, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a good way of putting it. Well, the thing is, like, Trunks has been building up with these these nightmares and this darkness and, like, fighting, because they've been training, you know, a whole year in this hyper hyperbole machine. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's been building up for a really long time, and he's finally like, this darkness is not me. And it's cool because he gets to recognize that. But yeah, then the darkness is its own version of Trunks... Like a super buff version of Trunks, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, this is also establishing where the Super Saiyan 1.5 form comes from that they have, you know, that they have when they leave the chamber. Which is the most um, powerful form of Saiyan. Uh, I mean... Uh-huh. <laughs> it has to be, right? Otherwise, uh, why, why, why would you spend all this time on this if this isn't <laughs> the ultimate end of the series, you know? Every form of Saiyan is temporarily the most powerful form. Yeah, and like have that sort yeah. of big ass reaction to it every time. If it's, it has to mean something, right? <laughs> Can't just be there for a dramatic <laughs> effect. So much meaning. <laughs> uh, okay. Not just sound and fury signifying nothing. Right. It's all deeply meaningful. Right. Of course. Reminds me, I tried to f- finish reading uh, Naruto the other day. I did not get that far. <laughs> <laughs> Never got in an hour or two. That's fine. <laughs> but you're right. Before we can come to an emotional resolution, there is a lot of DBZ fighting. And, you know, it, it physically fights them because it's DBZ and that's how things have to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, have to... But at the same time, there's a whole lot of, like, talk about what the spirit is and what it represents. Trunks is like, you're nothing but a parasite. And the spirit's like, 
you pushed me. I am from your mind, but I am real, and my body's as powerful as your own. And especially, you know, the spirit has a pretty good feed here. I mean, like a. It was certainly a good opportunity because, as it points out, the strength of Saiyans pretty explicitly comes from you know things like anger and hatred and thirst for battle. Yeah, and that's the kinds of things that Trunks has been trying to repress, and therefore that the spirit has been feeding on, and therefore it all ties together very nicely in a bow for it when it has yeah. like a, a copy Saiyan body. And ultimately, um, with the resolution of everything, Trunks realized that this hatred they're trying to avoid is part of what drives them to uh, improve themselves and become a better fighter. Which is <laughs> what I meant yeah. by like the DBZ con- con- conclusion of yeah. it, as opposed to the persona type conclusion right the persona type conclusion would be like this is bad about me but it is part of me yeah and like i can't i can't deny that it's part of me yeah whereas you know you're right there's more of a vibe here of like actually this is kind of good yeah or at least necessary yes right Uh, what's cool about the spirit though is it's like we have three characters in this we've got trunks vegeta and the spirit and the spirit's kind of a fun character because it's like exploring trunks's mind and as it does that it gains more emotions like at the beginning it's like basically it says to itself like i don't know how to understand emotion and it also doesn't know what saiyans are it's like this is another humanoid but clearly not a human kind of thing and it's very fun to watch the spirit kind of evolve and understand and gain emotions of its own via feeding off of trunks's emotions i I know where you're coming from, but it also, the personality develops as just standard issue DBZ villain. Yeah. Right? It's just like a, a gloating um, Frieza or Perfect Cell type where it's like, I'm really powerful and you are kind of not, and I'm going to taunt you before I kill you slowly. Totally. For but fun. It, it is fun to see it, like, the fact that the spirit doesn't really have those feelings until it starts to feed off someone, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's well done. It, it starts off a lot more like, um, what's the word, objective about the situation, just kind of monitoring things, and then it gets more emotionally involved. Mm-hmm. I also like how when the spirit was revealed, it did do its evil monologue and explain its goals and weaknesses, but I really liked how it turned out that it was just lying to get a reaction and <laughs> the actual way to defeat it wasn't what <laughs> yeah. they told it because that would be stupid <laughs> right. right for one thing it's saying like hey i'm i'm totally separate from you now and like when i kill you i will take on all the things but then it just kind of fails to kill trunks and trunks eventually realizes like wait no it's still connected to me it can't kill me <laughs> and then later it's like yeah. I'm, I'm gonna kill you i was like no, no you're not it's like oh i'm totally gonna ki- kill you it's gonna be uh brutal so don't <laughs> Yeah, no, that was well done, and it was a good twist, because when Trunks, in that kind of final co- uh, confrontation, starts just, like, striding towards it with purpose, I thought it was going to be more of a labyrinth situation, where he was like, you have no power over me. <laughs> now, and in fact, it was like, no, the spirit could kill him. It has that physical power, because it's DBZ, and, like, you know, it's all very literal and physical yeah. in terms of what you can do. It's just that that would be suicide, so it won't. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And of course, the whole narrative is driving towards Trunks and Vegeta developing a better relationship. Because, you know, the author observed they went into the time chamber basically hating each other 
on some level or like Vegeta not understanding Trunks and Trunks being like, wow, you're my shitty father <laughs> and having them come out on some sort of good terms like they did in the show. So the spirit <laughs> basically is serving as a vehicle for that to happen. And the way that that happens is pretty true, I think, to the medium. Like Vegeta at this point in the story, you couldn't imagine him like doing a complete character 180 and being like, I love my son. But what he does is he protects Trunks from the spirit at a certain point. And Trunks takes that as enough to show that he cares. Whether that's true or not, I'm not entirely certain. But It's, it's fair. <laughs> and, you know, the closest thing that, you know, other than just like affection that he's trying to smother, right? He also develops pride in his son, right? Which mm-hmm. is a more Vegeta emotion and something that he can own more comfortably. Yeah. There was the throwaway line that's like, it's a good thing this spirit doesn't feed off of pride, because if it had taken a Vegeta's pride, it would be an invincible monster at this point. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I, I think the line is more like, it's a good thing if it doesn't feed on pride, because if it fed on Vegeta's pride, there would be nothing left of him. Oh, that was it, yeah. Yeah. Like, That's his whole personality. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking funny. Like, I, I think this author was brilliant in making the that come to life with these, like, perceivably one-dimensional characters, they identified the personality traits and used the spirit to make the characters, like, have more dimension, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so, it, yeah, the end of the conflict with the spirit does conclude with kind of, like, Trunks reabsorbing it, like it would kind of have to, right? And it's the, it's the warrior-ness in him that was inside him all along. Mm-hmm. And um, then we, you know, get kind of the epilogue. We skip over the remaining however many months are left in there, uh, where presumably they were continuing to train with a slightly better relationship, though that's a very low bar. (laughs) And then they get to emerge from the chamber. And I feel like this is another case of the author paying very close attention to things because Trunks comes out and like everybody's like, whoa, like he's you can just feel the power and like confidence coming out of him. And Vegeta hangs back. And the author makes such a point of, like, Piccolo noticing that, that I feel like that must have been in the anime. And, like, the author must have noticed that, like, that's kind of strange that Vegeta's hanging back and not showing off his power, because you'd think that's exactly what Vegeta would do in all circumstances. (laughs) But instead, Vegeta's kind of, like, letting Trunks have the spotlight for a moment and feeling some manly Saiyan alien pride over there. Yeah, I don't know if that was in the anime, but um, I think it was the most poignant moment of this fanfic, because, like, Vegeta defends Trunks from the the spirit, but it's like, there's no proof that that wasn't just purely self-defense. But when he lets Trunks come out and shine his power, that's the pride the author's trying to, be, like, trying to establish the whole time. Even with Vegeta's, like, memory narrative of, like, how his father appreciated him for his ingenuity and his power, it's showing, like, he appreciates his son for the same reasons. hmm Yeah. No, that's the best father-son relationship, but hey, it's something, you know, for Vegeta, it's something. Uh, is, it, is it the best father-son relationship in the show, even? Uh, the best father-son relationship in the show is Piccolo and Gohan. <laughs> yeah. And Piccolo True. has no gender, and Gohan's not his son. So, you know, whatever. I actually no. think the best relationship might be between um, 
Gohan and Trunks in the alternate future where Gohan oh, is Trunks. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, that's that sounds like a better <laughs> choice, Tori. Yeah, because Gohan's super sweet, and he basically raised Trunks in the alternate future that never actually ends up happening. But anyway. Well, no, it does happen because they just make it alternate timeline accidentally. Mm-hmm. Anyway. DBZ, everybody. Right. <laughs> Uh, that brings us to the end of the story, and we go back and find things to complain about, and then we end on praise for the story that we have read and discussed. So, things to complain about. Dom, we have not addressed your pet peeve this whole time. Do you want to take it? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I wonder if there's a point where I should just stop doing it, because I'm not sure there's much more to say, but I'll, I'll bring it Fan up again. Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> fan japanese it's also we're all looking at things written in the past so it's yelling into the past to improve which is not possible well, it did the past did improve in terms of fan japanese people don't do that anymore yeah, so, i feel like so what's the point of <laughs> complaining about it now it's um, so I mean, annoying it's, <laughs> can i complain about it the it's fan, so annoying the fan japanese in this isn't great uh start off the names aren't are kind of off from the convention. You you have Yamucha and Kulilin, which is just well, I think, which is just what happens I think that's sometimes. All accurate. Yeah, depending on transliteration of names. But what is egregious in here is um, use of uh, inter interchanging Japanese words for English words and not even being consistent about it. Like they use Otosan and Tosan and father all throughout the fic with no real consistency. And well, like there's one phrase that's like, shut up, I'll face this Bakemono any way you want, Kisama. You just say that out of my damn way. Tosan, trunks gasped, and almost fell off his legs, yeah. buckled uncontrollably. He was still too weak, that Baka. Uh, it, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't flow together she well. And the. Uh, insults they they shout chikshu all the time, which doesn't yeah look great. What's that written down? <laughs> and if you don't know what it means, it means nothing. What and does it mean? It's just like shit or damn it or yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, what was the what was the other one they used all the time? Tosan. Uh, uh, no, no, no. I that that means Masaka. father. Kisama. 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 What does that mean? Uh, it's a rude way to address someone. Yeah, it's something like a gangster would say to somebody. Kisama. <laughs> oh, <laughs> did the they say that? Oh, and uh, yeah, they also use Yaro <laughs> in there. And the yeah. I one of the reasons I said that it's good to avoid this is because if you're not familiar with the language, you may not be using it in a way that uh, helps. It might end up just detracting. Like at one point, for example, they refer to as to uh, Vegeta as um, Saiyajin no Oji. Uh, sure. But what they meant was O O G, uh, Prince of the Saiyans. But they end up writing um, <laughs> Uncle of the Saiyans, <laughs> which is like a minor problem that happens when you try to transliterate something into a uh, uh, with the uh, Latin letters, but. If you just avoided that altogether and just used the English words, then this wouldn't be an issue. Well, I think you're right. We don't need to tear into it too much. Obviously, <laughs> there's no way the author would do that now or, you know, probably would have for that long, you know. And But, but it's, it's always interesting to note as just one of those, like, shibboleths of 
anime fandom in the late 90s and early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like that, that show that you were in with the animes. You know, <laughs> if the fact that you were writing anime fan fiction was not enough to show that, yeah. then using, using the Japanese like uh, terms and original name spellings and that kind of thing also was kind of indicative of your membership in this fandom. I think the result they're going for is the kind of experience you get when you're watching something subtitled like you're yeah. look you're hearing the word and you're absorbing it that way but you're also reading it and you have sort of a uh i don't want to say artificial but like boosted knowledge of the word and its use and like that experience sticks with, with you so i can see the temptation to try to recreate that in a text form yeah can i ask what's the difference between saying like toasan and otosan uh, it's the same, it's just shortened. Yeah, okay. sounds slightly less polite, I guess. <laughs> okay. Yes. More casual in register. I was just confused about it because I had always heard like Tosan and it's like Nesan and Onesan is different like big and little sister, right? No, so, it, it's not actually. That's like, exactly the same difference. Big the, and the little father. here is not O <laughs> for large. It's it's O, which is just a honorific prefix yeah the word is tosan mm-hmm. so it makes it slightly more polite the word is tosan okay. nesan and nisan and the o before it makes it slightly polite oh okay good to know yeah now i want some kind of manga about an o nesan and it's about like <laughs> someone's big sister who turns into a giant <laughs> i want a oji no oji it already exists <laughs> <I'm sure>. <laughs> <laughs> also sounds good yeah. <laughs> anyway do we have other complaints here I gotta say, like, I hate to keep, like, as I know we don't want to drive this in too much, but for me, like, a lot of fan Japanese usually <laughs> isn't that bothersome, but I just want to put this out there as someone who really doesn't speak much Japanese, is that Chikusa and, what was the other one? Kusama? Kusama? <laughs> yeah, both of those words I didn't know. But were used, you know, even if I did know them, were used so frequently that it took me out of the narrative. So that's the only thing I want to say is they were just used way too frequently. And obviously the author knows that now, I'm sure. But yeah, it was just like a lot. It was used so often that I was like, you couldn't pick another word. Like it was at the <laughs> point of use a synonym, basically, you know, even I wonder- if it's in Japanese, just use another word. That's all. I wonder if that's a show faithful, though. I, I I imagine it is. It definitely re- reads like someone who was listening to the Japanese, you know, probably with subtitles and really listening to the way they talked. Yeah. And, you know, I I haven't watched much. I've mostly read translated manga of Dragon Ball, but like I totally believe that that's how Vegeta talks all the time. <laughs> Sounds fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's just, it's still, it's too much. <laughs> um. Yeah, for me... I feel like we're about to praise and we're about to praise the writing. And I think the writing was strong enough in general that my main thing is just that like, I could tell it could have used this, a tighter editing pass. <laughs> like they, they repeat some things more than needs to be like some of the themes of the characterization or like the things that the spirit is talking about or that kind of thing. Like it could, it, it just could have been tighter and that's not a major complaint really. It's just like, I could I could see the fat that could be trimmed a little bit in this story when I was reading it. That's all. And going into, um, going into praise then. I, I liked the story overall. I, 
really appreciated that the author saw a space for character growth and they took it in a good way, kept it faithful to the DBZ type narrative, but they still put a nice growth at the end. Cause like when they fight the spirit, they have the line at some point. Um, but muscle wasn't everything and power wasn't the only way to win a battle, which I think is a great way to, uh, uh, to, to do something like, like this with DBZ. Um, like for example, with, uh, the new series of Voltron at Legendary Defender, they have, they come to the story issue where if they have Voltron, then Voltron can defeat anything. At that point, you have to write smarter and write stories where absolute power doesn't uh, fix things right away, and so you actually have to have some sort of conflict other than that, and I think they did that well in this story. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right about praising the kind of... Um, the space that this story is written into mm-hmm. because it, it is a very fruitful area, but it, it, it also strikes me as not the kind of story that every fan would try to write, you know, yeah. because it is just two characters in a room for a year. And you do have to like figure out a way to develop characters, including a character like Vegeta, who is, you know, resistant to doing things with really, yeah. especially since you can't have him, you can't change him wildly because you're fitting this within continuity, right? Um, and I think it's kind of evident anyway, yeah, it was, that the author went on to have a successful writing career after this in order to, uh, when they show, showed that they were able to make such good use of the space. Yeah. And I think it also is just a really good elevator pitch. Yeah. <laughs> because seeing that, I was like, oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea for a story. Totally. It makes me want to read it before starting it. I am super amazed by this story because dbz is such a superficial show <laughs> so trying to write anything emotional into that like trying to create these character connections especially between trunks and vegeta is super hard to do in a way that reads as dbz and yet they accomplished that they did it by reining themselves back and not making it you know too emotional the characters still standoffish but giving them exactly the beats they needed to reconcile and to become the characters they needed to be for the story. I think that takes a lot of finesse, and I was really impressed. <laughs> it's very measured in that sense, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think I could do it. Like, trying to write characters like these that are so masculine and so cut off for their emotions, like, and still have it read like the source and have an emotional reconnection is really impressive. Really smart, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that brings our discussion of this fanfic to a close. And I have a special treat for us next week. And by us, I mean you two, Domintory. Oh. Yes. Because for some time, I was looking for a fanfic of the late 90s TV show early edition. <laughs> and yes. I finally found one that I have a reason to think is good. I think I, so I remember you threatening that at some point. Yeah. <laughs> My Before, favorite show. I was, I was trying to turn up a zine. It, it didn't work out. Your favorite show, Tori? It was up there like, okay. Can I just say for a second, I had three aspirations at the age of 11. It was to either become a sailor senshi 
a digi-destined or get tomorrow's newspaper today. (laughs) (laughs) Will you settle, Tori, for getting yesterday's fan fiction decades late? I guess I have to now. (laughs) I think you do. That's a spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Sadly, not delivered by cat. (laughs) Is there a way to watch this show? Is it anywhere? Um, I was looking. I didn't see it on uh, any of the streaming services. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. Um, but you should. It's, I mean, it's fun. Yeah. I liked it when I was 10 and 11 and 12, so. (laughs) And so if you are listening to this podcast to hear about all of your favorite popular franchises and the fan fiction written about them, (laughs) then I'm sorry, we're talking about early edition. (laughs) The story is going to be Sand and Water by Mary Lee, who we'll talk more about next time as well. And you can find a link there at bit.ly slash RFR sand. As for this, this, no, go on. I'm just talking about how Amato is just always, you know, going for the easy things, playing to the cheap seats, you know, trying to get the biggest crowd of people. (laughs) Of course, is another early edition (laughs) fan fiction. (laughs) It's so funny to me because early edition was like, like I said, one of my top favorite shows, but like, of course, no one remembers it now. Uh. Yeah. No, I'm not exactly selling out. You can rest assured of that. <laughs> what, what we should be reading is Harry Potter fan fiction every week. Not, not maybe not okay. right now. Can we do Quantum well, Leap next? <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a Quantum Leap reference in this early edition. Fan yeah, there fic, is. Which is great because that was another one of my favorite shows. Scott Bakula, no, y'all. For Harry Potter, I think it's not that we shouldn't be reading Harry Potter fan fiction. I think from now on, that's all anybody's going to be reading. (laughs) Fair Mm -hmm. enough. (laughs) As opposed to the actual books. (laughs) Anyway, uh, this was episode 88 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, In the Room of Spirit and Time by Nora Jemison. You can find a link there, thanks to the Internet Archive, on a now-defunct personal author website at bit.ly slash rfrroom. The intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can find us as Retrofanfic or Retrofanfic Retrospective on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Facebook. If we're still using Facebook, I guess. If anyone's still using Facebook. Yeah, we're uh, uploading the um, 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 the Instagram post and a video version of, of each episode on there. Okay. I have that set up. I guess we are using Facebook. I have that set up. It was us all along. <laughs> I have that set up to automate, so I don't have to do too much, which is nice. If then, then, then that is a, is a nice service. <laughs> Perfect. You can also leave comments or reviews on your podcast service that you're using to listen to us, or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other, except that our Earth is ruled by a dog, and all the place names are different, and there's sometimes dinosaurs. <laughs> Until next time, take hey, care. Tori, if you were in DBZ, would you be Tori Niku, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I've it been asked that before. What the is. Right. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Tori Yaki. That's good. Yaki Tori. Yaki Tori. Yaki Tori, there you go. Yaki Tori is good.
Right. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm good then. Anyway, move it. Great. Let's try. Oh, I got one question though. Yeah. What's Dragon Ball? <laughs> um, that's a good question. <laughs> it's, it's a, a ball com- of dragons. <laughs> it's a comedy adventure manga about some little kid with a tail. <laughs> Oh, I've read that one. Yeah, no, I'm totally ready. Okay. (laughs) I read that one all the way through to the end, all like six volumes or something. Yeah, they end up saving the world from the Demon King Piccolo at the end, and then it's over. Yeah, they take us tail off, and that's the end of that whole thing. Yeah, it's cool. (laughs) And everybody just goes on to live normal human lives on Earth. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not quite Earth, but yeah. It's not not Earth. Wait, it is Earth, right? Yeah, they call it Earth. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it is a planet named Earth, yes. <laughs> oh, well, yes, fair enough. It, I think it's future Earth, personally. But anyway. Let's, let's, let's... Way, I can't wait to talk about Yamcha a lot, so I'm ready. <laughs> you uh, know, I just read the... I love Yamcha. I just read the three-chapter manga that time when I got reincarnated by, as Yamcha. What? Um, which is a, a real thing that exists. Uh, it's an isekai about someone, um, a DBZ fan, getting reincarnated as Yamcha way back at, you know early Dragon Ball manga. Does oh, that man. mean doujinshi? No, it's official. It's official? What's an isekai, what's a isekai it's mean? It means someone got reincarnated as Yamcha. Oh, okay. It's like, wow. it, it's like uh, being sent to the game world with a cheat sk- skill sort of genre. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, we talked about that before. Okay. So he decides to try to become the strongest human, though not the strongest character because being a Saiyan is cheating. <laughs> True. Right. Okay. And so, by the time of like the DBZ manga material, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, Yamcha. We can count on Yamcha." <laughs> it's it's not great, but it's kind of amusing. Anyway, it there, it is. Is, there it is on the yeah Viz's website. Yeah, I'm gonna have yeah. to read this <laughs> first two chapters. Uh, he takes he he has the he has the the spaceship, the craft same spaceship prepared early, so that he can go to the Namekian Elder and get his potential unlocked before he's supposed <laughs> to. Love it. Anyway, anyway, mm. here we go.